welcome back to the Almond Pod today. I'm here with Sarah Smith from Raw and Rebellious. Hello everyone, so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Today we're talking about so many fun things. We're talking about body positivity, we're talking about your journey with sobriety, mm-hmm. and you are just such an inspiring person. You were telling me a little bit about how you've had a journey with uh, body positivity, with yeah. being comfortable in your body. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, um, I, so I'm... 28, just to preface, a um, little background from Madison, Alabama. I live in Breckenridge currently. Um, Tyler and I are just hanging out in her apartment, but we were voice memoing back and forth um, when I was in Europe because we were so excited to record this podcast. And she was like, What do you want to talk about? And I was like, Well, I could go in any direction. I have this, <laughs> I have that. And I struggled a lot, which I'm sure a lot of other girls listening, I don't All want to of just. Our listeners. Yeah. And I, I don't want to put it just on women. I know that men have body stuff as well, but I feel Absolutely. like. Predominantly, it is uh, something that women deal with, so I think we can all relate. And when I graduated college back in 2017, I I feel like around that age, like in our early 20s, our bodies and like metabolism just kind of change. Um, and maybe that's something you know that a lot of women experience, or maybe it was just me. But no, I've seen a lot of TikToks of people like me being pissed I don't have the body that I had when I was 16. Yes. Eating- a monster and a bag of cookies. Oh my for god! Lunch and Going to Burger King twenty like miles every day after school, and yeah, no, all of the things. And so I, after I graduated college, I really struggled with finding that harmony. And I was also like drinking a fuck ton, which we can talk about that as well. Because I mean, I, I never had an issue with alcohol. I drank as much as anyone else in college did, but I feel like it was kind of part of my identity. And I lived in Atlanta for a couple years after college, and was. In college, I mean, not to be douchey, but I was always, like, the girl taking a million shots, the girl blacking out, the girl always down to go out, which I love going out and I love having fun, but all the drinking was so detrimental to my my health, and it also really got in the way of, like, me loving my body. You know, I would binge drink from, like, Wednesday or Thursday until Sunday, and then I would, like, it was, like, a almost, like, binge restrict type thing where I was, like really, really restricting myself during the week, eating like insanely healthy and being like oh, wow. so stressed all week about like what I was putting in my body, feeling guilt about food, all of those things. And then on the weekend I would get really drunk. My guard would be down and I would like, like house Chinese food at like 3am and think pizza. so and... many people can relate to that. Yes. Like literally, you know what I did the other night after mm-hmm. a night out? I went on TikTok shop. I ordered a $60 box of assorted chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> it was like vintage chocolates through the decades and I was like need it need it now it's shipping <laughs> it's still on its way and I th- but then like you get the Domino's pizza you get the whatever oh, yeah. and you just go wild because it's like not only did you just drink the night away mm-hmm. now you've eaten like crazy and then you wake up the next morning and I'm sure it's just like instant regret and then you punish yourself for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Horrible and and I felt awful. And I think, you know, back then I didn't really see it as an issue. You know, I think every girl struggles with like those obsessions and those feelings oh, with yeah. food or a lot of women do. And I don't even have the excuse of like my mom is like I'm Jewish and my mom, her biggest fears are me being cold, me being hungry or me being tired. So she's constantly funneling food in my body. And like anytime (laughs) I go home, like even if I was like 20 pounds heavier than I was the last time I saw her, she was like, you're looking thin. I'm like, no, I'm not. But like, thank you. (laughs) I don't even have that excuse. I think it was just like a societal like thing that I fell into. Oh my gosh. Being in college is a really, really big mind fuck for 
any woman mm-hmm. because you're expected to, like you're saying, be down for anything, be constantly drinking. Right. Then you're around girls who maybe haven't, like maybe their metabolism is still super fast. So right. I remember being around girls who were like still in like their 16-year-old bodies, like stick skinny. And yeah. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. It's, it's hard. And it it's is. also your first time living alone. So you're like exactly. able to eat uncontrollably, do yeah, whatever you do want. Whatever you want. Exactly. And I think... In my mind, too, like the severity of it, you know, you hear of people that struggle, you know, with anorexia or with bulimia, you know, in these in these extremes. Yeah. But it, when you're in that middle zone of like, no, I wasn't making myself throw up. No, I wasn't like restricting myself in excess to where like I was, I was like malnutrient. But at the same time, I was still like not headed in that direction, but I was still in a very unhealthy pattern and it only hindered me further like as I would completely restrict myself during the week and eat like a bed of lettuce with like a low calorie dressing on it you know like for yeah. dinner then on the weekend I mean I was starving and so my body That's still a problem yeah, yeah yeah and so my body like saw that I was inebriated and I would order like all of the things that I wouldn't let myself eat during the week and then I would hold on to that like your body holds on to that fat and to that weight even when you feel like you are like balancing out all the Mm -hmm. bad by like restricting yourself so heavily during the week and it got to a point and it was something that I like struggled with kind of silently like that's not really a fun thing to talk about I mean I'm very open about it now um yeah and part of that is because you know I'm on the other side of it so it's easier for me to talk about than it was when I was so deep in it and not really you know able to see um what was going on but it got to a point I was restricting myself so much that I started like waking up at like midnight to like 2 a.m. and I would like half awake half asleep I would kind of like sleepwalk and I would eat in my sleep so I would like go upstairs to the pantry and I would like kind of remember in the morning but not really and it started very sporadically and then got to a point where it was happening like pretty consistently like throughout the week and that was really hard and I was so hard on myself for that because I was so frustrated that you know I'd wake up and like kind of remember it right then or maybe I'd like go up to the kitchen and then I'd like have flashbacks of it Uh so like you don't even really remember it and you can't control it because you're like half asleep, which is again, your body's yeah. like, okay, her guard's down. Like we can finally feed ourselves. And it got to be such an issue that, you know, it caused me so much anxiety. Like every time I'd go to bed, I'm like, fuck, like I really hope I don't wake up again tonight and do that and eat. And I was on, so I started, I have a jewelry, I it used to be a jewelry business. I now have like apparel, hats, like all kinds of things, but when I graduated, I would travel around the Southeast and do like pop-up shows. So I'd be mm-hmm. on the road and I would bring like food with me because so that I wouldn't be spending a ton of money. And it got to the point where I was like so exhausted during the day because I would, you know, wake up and eat in the middle of the night. And I remember mm-hmm. being in like some drive through parking lot. I was just so fed up with it. And I Googled like waking up and eating in the middle of the night. And the first thing that came up was nighttime eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I saw wow. the words eating disorder and I was like, fuck like okay this is serious like that freaked me out you know yeah I always knew that I was like kind of fucked in the head about Uh food and about my body but like that like really really freaked me out and right then I looked up like food therapists in Atlanta because I was living in Atlanta at the time yeah and called one immediately got her voicemail and she got back to me like that afternoon and I got an appointment that next week and I was like amazing one of the big problems I feel like is that Media media portrays eating disorders in such a specific way. Mm, yes. And you in only extremes. you only see it in the most extreme. So you're like, oh, well, that's not me. I'm fine. Yes. I'm just a girl who gets uncomfortable around bread. Right. 
that's that could never be me but it's we need to talk about how common it is Mm. and how you could be a victim and it's worth looking into instead of just being like well i'm not an extreme that's not me i'm not right i'm not at the worst so i really think it's awesome that you finally were able to just decide to get help what was your process of getting help like um it was great i saw a food therapist for about a year and then kind of ghosted her um when i moved out here actually i think i think a lot of my anxiety around food was based in um me feeling which i've heard this before with like people that have bulimia and and anorexia you know like wanting some kind of control in their life and feeling like they control their weight or can control their diet or whatever and i think i had a lot more anxiety living in Atlanta and I've talked about this before I had the most amazing friends it was like all my friends from college and it was so much fun but I feel like I was stuck in this role and that was my own doing like I had this idea of like what people expected from me and who they expected me to be like this fun party girl that like was always down was always saying yes to things and I also had so many obligations because I knew so many people in Atlanta. So like, Mm -hmm. which is such a good problem to have. Like I have so many incredible friends that I'm still so close with, but like every weekend it was like a birthday dinner, a, you know, bridal shower. Like all my plans seemed to be already made for me for like weeks in advance. And I think that gave me anxiety without realizing because I'm not a planner. Like Mm -hmm. I very much, I'm a type seven Enneagram, which I don't know if you know about Enneagrams, but like very go with the flow. Like I love like doing things and traveling, but I don't like planning and, like, yeah. planning almost gives me anxiety. Like, if I have too many plans, like, I don't like that. Like, I like to uh-huh. very much wing it, like, in the moment. And so I think the whole food thing, because for some reason, I moved out to Denver, like, three and a half years ago. And I went through the whole, like, food therapy process. And it was amazing. You know, like, I think therapy for anyone, I'm actually in therapy again just for, like, stuff in my personal life. And what I love about therapy is when I went the first time, because I journal a lot, like, therapeutically. And that helps me kind of, like get out of my head, like figure things out. That's such a good tool. And it is, but it's funny because I'll find myself when I'm journaling, I'll find myself almost like lying to myself where like, really, yeah, like embellishing things, like talking about like, say I was hooking up with a guy and he like did not give a shit about me and like ghosted me or something. Maybe I would like frame it in my journal that like, he didn't not give a fuck about me and it like wasn't that bad, I guess, if that makes sense. Like oh, you're wow. almost like telling little white lies to like reframe in your head. And I think it's partly a defense thing. And then also you're like, well, I don't want to remember myself as like this girl pining after a guy that doesn't care about me. Like that's just a random example. But in therapy, when I went the first time, I remember almost like embellishing things to my therapist, like rather than being totally raw and honest, which is like what you need to do in order to like help yourself. And like yeah. you're paying this person, you know, like, to give you advice and help you based on what so, you're going So you through. went into the food therapist and you're like, it's it's really not that bad. Yes, yes. Like, I, I'm pretty normal yes. about things. Yes, and, like, I wouldn't share, like, you know, the obsessive thoughts I had about uh-huh. food or I wouldn't tell her, like, just how many times it was happening or that, like, every goal that I had revolved around my body and, like, losing weight. And I thought that, like, when I got to a certain weight, then my life would almost begin, you know? So at first I remember being, like, not as honest with her as I should have been because I think I was just scared. But Mm -hmm. that therapist is sitting there to not judge you. That's their job. And you're paying them to do so. And so that's – you have to be honest with them. And I had such a positive experience with her. Like, I remember doing exercises where I would have to, like, stand in front of the mirror and, like, look at the things about my body that I didn't love and, like – call them out as like positive things and like love them like out loud, which sounds cliche, but when you're like putting that energy out, it really does help internalize that. And like, I remember having to make like Venn diagrams with her 
about like say the circle was me and then the Venn diagram is like, okay, this is what I, what value I think like my personality has This is what value I think my intelligence has. And like, it makes up like different percentages and like your body and like, you know, yeah. And then you're like, okay, at the end of the day, that's like the least important thing. Yes. Which like everyone always says like, oh, like your body's the least interesting thing about you. And like, yes, that's easy to say, but like as a woman, like we are under so much pressure and we also are just comparing ourselves to things that number one, probably aren't realistic. Like, Hello face tune and like angles. I mean, like I know my angles. Like even uh-huh. before we recorded this podcast, I was like, which is your good side? Because I yeah. I like the right side and she's like, I like the left side. You know, <laughs> like we're, we're all we're always thinking yeah. about those things, you know. So it's true. I think we're almost set up like it's rare when I see a friend that and I also now have Crohn's, um, so I have to be on a specific diet. Oh my gosh. Um, which was like a whole nother thing. But when I see friends that like have no dietary restrictions and like no stomach issues and no complexes about their body. Like, I feel like that's such a rarity. It's yeah. You know, it's almost more like if I go out with a group of girls, Mm. it's almost more rare to have nobody make a comment about like cheat day or like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be so bloated. Oh my gosh. I'm just going to get a salad. Oh my, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like it's more rare for people to for these girls to be quiet at the dinner table mm-hmm. than it is f- f- to have those comments. Yeah. Oh no, I could not agree more. And it's it's sad, but I mean, I still relate. Like I've come so far with you know my body and all those things, and I but I also have Crohn's, so I can't. There's so much that <sighs> I can't eat because it's so hard of this like autoimmune disease that I got in like 2019, and so I've also had to like assimilate to that. And I do think at a point when I don't have to be as restricted with the things that I eat, I'm going to have to reframe in my mind again. Like, okay, like this thing isn't a bad thing or a negative thing. Like I can have it and it's okay. Just because of my history with like the disordered thoughts and stuff in the past, I just feel like that's something I'm going to struggle with eventually. But truly like moving out to Colorado was such a pivotal point for me. And it wasn't something that I expected, but it almost like all the obsessiveness, like kind of evaporated, I think, because I came out here and not knowing anyone and like just felt so much autonomy in my mm-hmm. life. And I was so active. Like I was always hiking and like That's doing things really outside nice. versus like just drinking in a dark bar. And that kind of plays into, you know, you talked about sobriety in the beginning and I'm definitely not sober by any means. But when I think about like the amount of alcohol that I used to drink versus the amount that I drink now, like I've like, I, yeah. I used to drink only to get blackout, like literally like shots out the ass, like, I was, I was always blackout, like literally every single weekend. Like I, I did not know how to drink and not get blackout. Like I, it was insane. We all know somebody like that. Oh yeah. And that, that was me. And like, or, or it's you. Yeah, no, truly. It was a hundred percent me. And like a lot of my friends are on the same page as me as well. But like yeah. me specifically, like I remember like we would go out and get like drunk, but not like totally blackout. And I remember the next morning we'd be like, huh, we weren't even that drunk last night. Like it was fine. And I mean, you know, I think sometimes people talk about like, either sobriety or drinking less and it turns a lot of people off because it feels like a judgment thing and that's not at all where I'm at and like this sounds just like your personal move I I think a lot of people have that transition like I just can't imagine how you transition from binge drinking in college to being like a normal functioning adult that's got to be hard yeah I mean I, I think I think it was me moving here not knowing anyone yeah because I was like oh I can be like anyone I want to be here like who do I want to be and I decided wow. that I, like, didn't want to be the girl that was always the drunkest. Like, that was really what uh-huh. gave me the freedom. But it's funny because, like, 
I said earlier, like I was putting all those expectations on myself. Like no one was like, if you're not the drunkest girl, like we're going to not be your friend. Like that's just what I thought that I had to be in the room to like be accepted, I think, and be like loved by my peers. But like they accept me for however I am. I was the one stifling my own growth, but I think I needed to go somewhere where I didn't know anyone in order to like feel that, you know? There really is something about going somewhere where you don't know anyone. Mm -hmm. I moved here in January and didn't know a single soul. And it was crazy for me to just like walk up and down the street Mm -hmm. doing whatever. Like I can be filming a video and not be embarrassed. I can be in like the weirdest outfit, not care. I I would walk up and down the street in like jammies and curlers in my hair and not give a Fuck. We're, we're also in so downtown powerful. Denver, so there's like probably uh, homeless the people least worth thing. Uh, Yeah, that's the least worth it. I walked around in Minecraft onesies on Are you serious? last week. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. So there really is, I think, I would recommend to everybody, if you're going through a rut, sometimes a nice thing is to just up and leave somewhere where you don't know anyone. Oh, totally. And it's I think amazing. if you're someone that's listening that like does struggle with Okay, well, first of all, if you're binge drinking and you want to binge drink, go for it. Like, that's good Like good for you. Like, been there, done that, no judgment. Like, it's it's very fun. It's not so fun the next morning when you don't remember anything. But, you know, whatever. I've been there. It's great. Um, but if you're someone like me that maybe feels uncomfortable with the amount that you're drinking or it's making you feel worse, whether it's, like, your health or your body or your mind, and you're kind of done with it, I think the biggest thing that people struggle with when they're like, oh, I'm not going to drink tonight is other people's um, like judgments. That is kind of the worst Towards when you're that, like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, and then and people are like, oh, like, why aren't you drinking? You're like giving yeah. you a hard time and they're mad. It's funny because when, because I've been that friend too that like one of my friends is like, I'm not drinking and I'm like, yes, you are. Like we're taking a million shots. Like I've been on the other side of that table and I think the reason that, you know, that person is like that. And that person saying that is because they like misery loves company. Like if they're, yeah. if they're drinking in excess, like they want their friends to be too, but you can't be, you can't do things just to make other people feel more comfortable. Yeah. Like I, and oftentimes it is uncomfortable. Like if you're at a girl's dinner and everyone's ordering a glass of wine and you say no thanks and everyone's like, why the fuck aren't you drinking? But it really is the only thing I feel like that is accepted to be so pressured like no one's gonna pressure you to do math or you know what this is something that I've experienced if you go out to dinner and I know we just made the joke about how like girls go out to dinner and everybody's like talking about their diet but if you do if you're like trying to improve yourself you're like no I'm I'm worried about this so I'm going to get a salad Mm -hmm. and everybody like shits on you Mm -hmm. like crazy there's a line between like being worried about your friend going down a dark path versus your friend just wants to start eating a little cleaner and you're gonna shit on them for that I it's like the crabs in a bucket you know like Mm -hmm. everybody wants to be in the wants you to be in the bucket with them you know yeah no I think that is the same thing like when you order a salad like a pizza place and people get mad at you they're like why are you ordering a salad like it is hard because it is a little bit lame (laughs) no but at the same time like I think it you really have to get comfortable with being like the villain (laughs) well you have to get comfortable with putting yourself first and it's so hard yeah and I think getting comfortable with like not like I think not caring what people think is such a thing that people say but it's a practice like 
You have to practice not caring what people think. It's not going to be something that you wake up one day and you're like, oh, I don't care anymore what anyone says or thinks. You know, so I think it's a journey. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's it. You know, if someone is upset with you because you're not drinking with them, like they're upset with you, they're using you as a mirror. Like they they want you to drink because they're drinking and they want to feel more okay about what they're doing. And again, I'm not saying drinking is bad necessarily. I'm just saying like, you know, that's the the reason that person is mad is because they're insecure about themselves and they can't accept that you're not going to do that same thing with them. And so that's so much more about that person in front of you than it is about yourself. And I've been in situations too, where I've drank because I want to make other people feel comfortable. And it's just, it's really not worth it. You know, if you're, if you're not down for it, then I just don't think it's, it it matters enough, you know? Oh my gosh. I think that's such a good takeaway for this whole entire episode. It's just like not caring what other people think will help you in your business. It will help you in Maybe if you're on a fitness journey, that will help. If you're struggling with body confidence, that Mm. will help. If you're wanting to change your life somehow, it it will help in every single aspect. Well, and I feel like you probably have good advice for that too. I mean, you're constantly like, you said like in public, like wearing funny things and like recording bits and, you know, doing your comedy thing. Like, do you, have you found any practices that have helped you like really let go of that? Because that's, you know, with content creation and influencing in general, you know, that's something that people worry about is what are people going to think about me if I like start posting outfits. And for you, I think to me, comedy is even more raw because yeah. you, you're trying to get a laugh out of people. And that could be scary. Like stand-up comics are like yeah. heroes to me. And I have friends oh that gosh. do like, like comedy clubs or like comedy classes. And like that terrifies me too. Like I consider myself a funny person, but like the thought of getting up on stage and trying to make people laugh is so scary. No, it's so scary. The thought of me making something that somebody from my hometown looks at and is like cringing at. Yeah. Ugh, that does send me, but I try to not have that thought. Yeah, um, so how do you get past that? So how I work around not caring what people think, actually, this was crazy for me. Um, I was always so insecure and so obsessed with like my skin, my makeup, my body. I had like, it was always something throughout like all of high school. And then I started getting, like, to be a theater kid. Ah, <laughs> and you're a theater kid. I know. You <laughs> embarrassing. No, not at all. I, I, I joined this, like, theater group at the high school. Uh-huh. And there were, like, 25 of us. And these were the weirdest motherfuckers at my school. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if this was you, but you, yeah, you know it's but true. You're being <laughs> like, uh, you know, okay. They were, they were <laughs> weird, and they were so cool because i'd never been around a group of people that just did not not give a fuck yeah they sang show tunes down the hallways of the high school (laughs) on the opening day of a show they'd wear their full costume they were like we're wearing our legally blonde costumes yeah are you gonna join us tyler that time I said no, but yeah. <laughs> we're wearing our Phantom of the Opera ballet costumes to school, like full on. It was like this like slutty, like beaded corset with uh-huh. like spanks and they're just wearing that to first period. Oh my God. And like sometimes Ballsy. I would be like, oh, I don't know them. I don't know them. Yeah. But it was also a great lesson on like, these were the happiest people at the high school mm-hmm. because they literally... They were the smartest kids because they, especially girls, were embarrassed to be the smart ones in the class. Of course. So they were the smartest kids because they were never afraid to like go the extra mile to build a relationship with the teacher to be the teacher's bet. They were the smartest kids. They were the happiest kids mm. because they like literally didn't care. Like they taught me like like I stopped wearing makeup my 
I think, uh, junior year because Mm -hmm. I was around these kids that like taught me like, oh my gosh, I don't have to put on makeup every day. Okay, cool. Like, uh, they were creative and talented and fulfilled and it was just literally because they were only living for themselves. They did not care what Bradley and biology thought about them. They didn't care if so-and-so had a crush on them. They didn't care if they were getting asked to whatever dance, like, so to me, that was such an empowering moment that like, oh my gosh, the happiest people are the people who don't give a fuck. So I always think of that and try to go back on that moment. Like really, like it's, it's my own world and I just kind of try to like focus on me, honestly, and focus on those people who yeah, are cool. I mean, that's such a good lesson to learn so young too. Yeah. You know, like in high school, like I don't, I don't think I really like found my individuality until like I was like 25 yeah like truly like I was like getting there and like towing the line but I was still so like suffocated by other people's opinions I think it's cool that you're here because you have like a weird girl's perspective and like a cool girl's perspective no 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 you're like weird you're not weird you're like funny no 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 what what I was gonna say no 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 what I was gonna say is you're you're like you're like quirky like funny like I don't think you're like weird like being weird is cool like exactly I think I hope that I'm at least like a little weird like I don't want to be like yeah like so like buttoned up you know you know what I mean like I, I think being weird is like fucking hilarious yeah yeah so um it's just really cool to see two different perspectives so, um, how do, how do you feel? I mean, with, I know being from Utah and we were talking about this earlier and like the drinking culture, it's like a very different culture there. But then also like, do you feel like growing up and having that staple of like, you know, not caring what people think at a young age, like, do you think that helped with like your journey with like food and drinking and all of those things? Like, where do you feel like you're at? Um, well, I think I will always have like these crazy thoughts every time I eat. Every Mm. time I go to eat, I have like a hundred crazy thoughts go Mm. through my head, but I think that's just like conditioning. Mm. And so every time I eat, I just try to like throw out the bad ones and like kind of give myself a pep talk. Like, oh my God, bitch, you can eat a bagel. Yeah. Like Like, every time I eat, I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but at least you recognize that. Yeah. it's, It's, we're at the point of recognizing it. Um, and then also as far as my body, I really don't care that much. Like, I really don't, like, look at it and, like, just, like, stare at it in the mirror. Like, for me, I just don't really give a fuck. Because, like, who, like, literally there's, like, who's, who is this for? Right. Like, I don't really, which is kind of a different take on body positivity. Like, I know the mainstream body positivity is, like, celebrate your body, worship your body. I'm like, I just don't give a fuck. You just don't care? No, I think that that's, (laughs) I think that that's so valid. And, like, I am just going to... Like, every day, just wake up, put on enough makeup to look like I'm awake, get on the tripod, do my stupid TikTok, and (laughs) get through the day. (laughs) Just another day. Just another day. Just another day in paradise. I feel like another thing I hear my friends, like, talk about themselves in a really negative light. Uh Uh-huh. And that's something that I think I used to have, like, really bad self-talk about. And one thing that really helped me... I just, I just thought of this as you were saying that, um, one thing that really helped me when I was, it's like a couple years ago, I was home and we were watching like home videos Yeah. and I saw like, you know, my younger self like playing and twirling around and like having fun and all those things. And I was very animated as a child, just like I am now. And I thought about like, and I've seen this on TikTok. I know this is an original thought, but like seeing this little girl that is also me and thinking like, 
you know, when I'm talking poorly about my body to myself or I'm like really hating the way I look in an outfit or just thinking those negative thoughts, I'm also thinking that about like that little girl. And like what I tell a little girl, like what I tell me, like my, my self or like, you know, a little girl, like a five-year-old, like, oh, like you shouldn't wear that dress because like, it's not super flattering or like, it doesn't look good. Or like your stomach's poking out, like all of those things. Like that really helped me with my self-talk and with like being more accepting and like giving myself more grace on those days. I mean, our, our bodies fluctuate like every day, every (laughs) week, like, (laughs) like truly. And giving myself more grace in those moments that I am feeling a little more insecure, like not letting it overtake me or keep me from wearing something or doing things because of that like negative self-talk. So I think that is something that really helped me a lot with that kind of cycle. That's amazing. I th- I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. That's really, really It was really very cool. much like a eureka moment when I was home. And I've, I've seen people, you know, you t- hear people talk about their inner child and stuff all the time and like yeah. trying to serve your inner child. But I think also just seeing myself on that home video is such like a visceral reminder, you know? Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah. So that yeah. helped me a lot. I have a, I, I talk about her all the time. I have a sister who's like 10 years younger than me. Oh, really? Yeah. So she's like just a little baby. Aww. And so a lot of the times the way I talk about myself, I'm like, Ooh, if she were here, I would not want her to hear this because I don't want her to be like this. Yeah. And you're like a role model to her. I'm so sure. it's, it is like the last time I got super down on myself, I was wedding dress shopping and mm. the whole time I was being such a bitch. Like, Oh, this is like fitting here. Yeah. This one doesn't make me look skinny. This one's like my arm. Mm. And I was like, shut up. Oh my God. Mm. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is like a happy moment. These are like, you're trying on like these nice ass dresses, dresses like yeah. ruining the moment because I'm like, oh, it's so funny. Those negative feelings though are still valid. Like you can't, yes. you can't just shut them off. And you can't be, sometimes I think it's kind of tricky when people get mad at their friend for complaining about their body because they're like, well, that friend's skinnier than me. Like mm. everybody's feelings are valid. So it's it's a tricky dance between like validating your feelings but also trying to progress past it. Yeah. And move forward. Yeah, because I mean it's not something you can just like turn on and off. I think it's more so finding ways to deal with those thoughts and those feelings. Yeah. When they come up in a positive way so that you can move forward and not let it be something that you obsess over overtakes your mind, which, you know, is something that like I said, like I have struggled with. So I understand how frustrating that can be. Absolutely. I I think your story is going to help so many people. You've already said so many like fantastic things. What would be some like starter tips for girls who are um, trying to overcome so are trying to deal with their alcohol addiction or their binge drinking? And also what are some tips for girls who are maybe trying to deal with uh, their self-love, their self-confidence? Um, I think there's definitely like a huge line in the sand, at least in my mind, between like an actual addiction and binge drinking. Like I think I can't really speak on, I've never had an addiction that I can really think of. Um, So I think I, that might be a little out of my wheelhouse as far as like giving advice. I mean, I think any addiction. Probably see a professional. Yes. Yes. Um, I I phrased that poorly. (laughs) No, 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 not at all. I mean, I, I think, you know, with any addiction and same with any other, you know, like binge eating, eating disorder, I, therapy like saved me for sure. And I'm like, I wasn't at a place that it was, you know, I was living a very productive, amazing life. No one in my life knew that I was dealing with this until after the fact when I started opening up about it. I mean, people were shocked because I am such a positive 
person. And I think that was another thing. I didn't want to be the girl that had anything wrong with them because I was so used to like being playing that role in a friend group or in other people's lives. Um, but I would say, you know, I think any kind of addiction or any kind of negative thing around drinking, around eating often just stems from something mental or some kind of self-talk as far as like feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like your body is the center point of your value when really there's so much more. Um, and so I think the reason why I recommend therapy so much is because that therapist, number one, you have to be honest with them, whether it's, you know, maybe you're not honest with yourself about how much you're drinking. Maybe you're not honest with yourself about how much you're restricting yourself. And there's a really good book. Um, well, well, there's two books. I remember there's one book that I read called brain over binge. And this was, I read that in like the thralls of like my struggles with eating. Um, and I think it kind of highlights, that gray area that we talked about where like, yes, maybe you're not making yourself throw up. Yes. Maybe you're not hospitalized because like you're so malnourished, but like there's still a huge area where like it is a huge, it is a problem. And, and that book, I think kind of just made me realize that I did have a problem without doing those extreme things that the media seems to highlight. And then another book that I read, I didn't finish it because I was in Cancun drinking a margarita while I was reading it. And then I was like, "Mm, this probably isn't a good, a good book to be reading at this moment in time. Um, it's called quit like a woman. And it's, I mean, it's intense. And the tone of the book is a lot more like self-helpy, which for me personally, like doesn't really commute as, as much. Um, but quit like a woman talks about alcohol. It talks about a woman that struggled with alcoholism and it was kind of the same thing that I was we were saying about eating, like, yes, there are extremes of alcoholism, but she struggled with alcoholism in like that gray area where it was like manageable, but she still had a problem. She had like a dependency issue and her friends didn't think she had an issue because she wasn't like on the side of the road without a job and like drinking out of a, you know, paper bag, like at 9am. It's so important to not wait until it is that. Totally. And so I think if you're feeling, if you're feeling uncomfortable with it, whatever level of eating or drinking or drugs or whatever that vice is. Like if you feel like it's towing the line or it's too much, or if you feel like you're doing it for the wrong reasons, like if I want to go out and drink, I'm going to, because I want to, but I'm not going to do it because my friends want to, if I want to try Molly or try shrooms or, you know, whatever that is, I'm going to do it because I want to, not because I'm feeling pressured by anyone else. And so I think that's, you know, just to bring it back, focusing on the root, the root issues of like, why am I doing this? What is my reasoning? Seeking out therapy, if that's something that you're financially able to do. Um, And I know that there are probably like more affordable options as well with therapy, because I think that just makes you really face yourself and get honest about the issue. And then also trying to let go of having so much or holding so much weight in what other people think of you. And another book, I'm a big reader. So another book that I'll recommend for helping understand that complex within yourself of like putting so much value in what other people think of you is called 101 essays that'll change the way you think it's not self-helpy at all it's um, essays all by the same author and it's very like psychological so it goes into the psyche of like whether it's dating or whether it's um, your view of yourself or being a woman or um, the comparison game or um, why people are thinking or why you're putting so much focus on what other people think of you. It's very psychological and like philo- philosophical. Yeah, um, I guess it. I guess I don't read that much because my vocabulary isn't great. But <laughs> that book helped me 
so much just to conceptualize like and understand the reasoning behind my thoughts and why I put so much value in other people's opinions of me. So those are three resources that I would recommend. And also my DMs are always open. If you're struggling and want to talk, then I'm always here. I love that. Where yeah. can they find you? Um, so like I mentioned earlier, I have a small business called Raw and Rebellious. So it's at Raw underscore Rebellious. If you're going to reach out to me, I would reach out there because I don't check my DMs really on my personal account. Um, so it's at Raw underscore Rebellious. I have clothing, hats. I post everything that I do every single day on my stories. I'm not mysterious at all. Um, and so you can reach me there. Um, I also have a podcast and Tyler and I are going to record a podcast for, um, or record an episode for my podcast after this. It's called raw intentions podcast. So it's at raw intentions podcast. And then my personal account is at Sarah with an H and then R and then Smith with a Y. Thank you so much for being of here. Of course. This and is so fun. Thank you so much for watching this. Maybe yes. so warm and fuzzy. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.